This is Undisciplined, academic by nature, undisciplined in practice. I am Dr. Karee Banton, Director of African and African American Studies and Professor of History at the University of Arkansas. Now let's get into it. Matthew. Yes. The word voodoo, when you hear it, what kind of images does that provoke for you? For me, I think of uh, New Orleans. I think of a voodoo doll. There's a shop in New Orleans. uh, And I remember going there uh, in my teenage years and being very fascinated with it, not really understanding it. um, And it being kind of this uh, stereotype that was put on uh, Caribbean people as as being, you know, voodoo witches and those sorts of people. Did you know it was a stereotype then? I mean, it probably not. I just assumed it was a thing. I probably didn't realize it was a stereotype. Uh-huh. No. Okay. I'm sure for many, especially white Americans, I, I don't know if you ever saw that bit by Pat Robertson where he talks yeah. about how, you know, Haitian made the pact with the devil and that's why they've... You know, experienced so many, so many hurricanes. Hur- well, yeah. hurricanes and earthquakes. Oh, right, yes. He said that in the in the aftermath of the hur- of the earthquake, and and that the other side, um, Dominican Republic, is full of resorts and so good. Right. You know, but Haitians had made a pact with the devil, and so that's the 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 you know retribution for for that. Right. But even beyond that, you know, when uh, people hear about voodoo, it it kind of evokes um, the imagery, as you said, of sticking pins and dolls mm-hmm. and. Of sorcery and witchcraft, yeah. right? It's the dark thing that Africans are associated with, but in particular Haitians, right, in the Caribbean. But in fact, it's a living tradition um, among Haitians and other members of the African diaspora. You know, in wherever Haitians are found, where, whether it was the descendants of those migrants post the revolution who went to New Orleans or, you know, recent migrants into New York and other cities, you know, they practice this this tradition that is based on the ancestral religions that accompanied them from from Africa that, you know, syncretize with other religious practices, right? So, you know, for many, especially white Americans, mm-hmm. it's very mysterious. It's very dramatic. It's like, you know, people are feeling they're getting into trances. What are those? They're dreaming. They're believing in spirits. Yeah. What spirits? What's a, you know, what's a loa? <laughs> what's an orisha? You know, they're speaking through you. Like, have you, you, you grew up uh, very, pretty religious. Yeah. Did anybody ever catch the ghost in your church, the, the Holy Ghost? Not at my church, but I knew some pretty charismatic folks and, <laughs> and white evangelicals who were very charismatic is right. the word we would use. And <laughs> right. they were speaking in tongues and they were being struck down by the Spirit. Oh, right. And nobody accused those people of like no. summoning. Remember that uh, a viral video of uh, the pastor, I think, during um, maybe the 2020 election campaign. Mm-hmm. Or like, we're, no, it was a woman. They're like, we're summoning spirits from Africa. We are, and, and, and all the black people were like, Leave the spirits from Africa, okay? <laughs> they didn't the ask for you. Yeah, they, they, they're not coming on your behalf to do intervene in anything. Like, <laughs> let the white people handle their stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
Voodoo is related to other you know, African diaspora traditions, um, religious traditions, such as you may have heard of Santeria, mm-hmm. and that's mostly in Cuba, maybe in the DR as well. Um, there's also Condomble um, that is practiced in Brazil. And, and in a lot of those places in Brazil, in Cuba, in, in Haiti, the colonizing religion was... Catholicism, Catholicism, right? right? Um, That was the official religion of the colonizers. And so um, the very fascinating thing to me as a historian is how that played a role in resistance, you know, how the, the, the enslaved people and common people, you know, could hide their their practices that was often banned under the code nor and other you know I'm from Jamaica so we have obia right um, but we are we had British Anglicanism and how that played a role in resistance and all of that kind of a stuff but these people hid their their spirits inside for the Haitians Catholic saints you know that that's a fascinating part uh, for me to this day. Another fascinating aspect for me, too, is um, our guest today sent me this quote that I'm totally fascinated with because, you know, uh, when I think about voodoo and so on, I think about science. And it says, concerning matter, we have all been wrong. What we have called matter is energy whose vibration has been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. There's no matter. And that's from Albert Einstein. So matter is energy whose vibration has been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. And so I think our guest today think about this as a kind of cosmic religious sensibility. He says today that Haiti is 60% Catholic, 40% Protestant, and 100% Voodoo, (laughs) right? I want to introduce our guest today, uh, Matthew. Um, I want to introduce him to you. His name is Professor Patrick Bellegarde-Smith, right? And he received his doctorate in international relations, comparative politics, and Latin American studies in 1977 and taught in the field of international development, political economy, and culture at Bradley University, then later on at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Uh, in the field of African-American studies um, with focus on Caribbean cultures, politics, history, Afro-Caribbean religions, and the area of black feminisms. Um, He's the author or editor of five books, among them In the Shadow of Powers, right? The Breach Citadel, Fragments of Bone Neo-African Religions in a New World, and he's, uh, there's a sixth book about gender identities and African religious systems, which I can't wait to hear about. Most interestingly, he's a Hungan. He's a priest of Haitian voodoo as well. So he studies and practices. So I am so pleased to introduce to you Dr. Patrick Bellegarde-Smith. Thank you for joining us and welcome to Undisciplined. Uh, thank you for inviting me. I'm quite pleased with a wonderful introduction. I think my father would have been pleased. My mother would have believed that. Uh, very nice introduction, in other words. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about, you know, your background and your education and your upbringing, your connection to Haiti, growing up as Haitian. Tell us about, you know, Dr. Bellegarde uh, Smith. Well, I grew up in Haiti. In a well-to-do family, I had access to a private library that of my grandfather of about 10,000 books. I went to one of the good schools there, et cetera, et cetera. And I always knew I was going to become a priest I, ever since I could think uh, for myself. 
and um, I just didn't know what religion I was going to be a priest in. I assumed because of my upbringing in the parochial school, it was going to be a Roman Catholic priest, and I'm sure glad I didn't go that route. Uh, but you see, the, the spirits themselves in Haitian Vodou, in Brazilian Candomblé, and in um, Cuban Santeria will tell you, uh, you are born to become a priest, you were born to do that specifically, and you have reminders along the way that this is exactly what you are supposed to do. A good friend of mine in Brazil, um, who is a bit younger than me, is a Roman Catholic priest, and he's been to Cameroon and to the Congo and other places. And he's Brazilian, he's from Bahia, and uh, he assumed he was going to become a Yapaida Santo, a priest in the Candomblé religion. And the Spirit told him, we love you, you're our child, we need you in the Roman Catholic Church. We need you there. And Haitian spirits will tell you, we want you to become a Mormon. This is where we need you now. And they will, they will tell you what it is that you're supposed to do in this particular lifetime. Uh, and there was, before you came into this earth, there was, of course, a big powwow where things were decided and discussed and argued back and forth. And you come down with a particular uh, sequence of things that you need to achieve. Now, in the Yoruba system, which is probably the best-known African religion, which gave rise to Candomblé and, and Santeria, La Regla de Ocha, um, the, the primary injunction, the primary task of every human being is, and there's only one, you must develop good character. Good character, that's your job. And whatever it is that you have to do sort of derives from that particular position. That's all it is. And by the way, I hate to disappoint, voodoo dolls have never existed. This is German and English witchcraft. This was created by Hollywood in the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, at the very moment that the U.S. had occupied Haiti from 1915 until 1934, and Hollywood, as good patriotic Americans, always comes to the rescue. So one had to justify the occupation, occupation, the military occupation of Haiti by doing that. And of course, everybody believed it, because we believe what Hollywood does. And it's fascinating that it has remained there for so long, and it's not dying off. Now, Cuban Santeria is seen in, in a little bit of a better light, as, as is Candomblé in Brazil. But Haitian Vodou is the bête noire, pun intended, the bête noire of, of the three, these three uh, religions. Uh, but, you know, you, the, the question of color becomes important here in more ways than one. And when you're talking about uh, black magic versus white magic, white magic is what white people do. Black magic is what black people do, right? Because we have a color code in the Western world. And there was a friend of mine, ex-friend of mine, who called his kitten, the kitten he gave to his, to his children, Satan. I said, was the kitten black? Yes, of course he was black. And so we do have that color-coded thing that we, you know, uh, Satan is black and God is white, of course. Uh, we, we deal in binaries. 
uh, within Machian dichotomies. And binaries have always been the thing. It's God versus Satan. It's white versus black. It's Republican versus Democrat. It's always a binary and nothing in between, just about. And that, that is a very dangerous way of thinking, and this is one of the schools of thought that came out of ancient Greece. Uh, and and this, is, this is what has taken over the Western world. And by the way, <laughs> Europe had its own voodoo. Uh, there are Greeks now that are returning to the old Greek system of religion. Uh, I went to Ireland, I went to Scotland, and if you scratch the surface, those antique Celtic, those, ant, uh, those, those old Celtic divinities are coming back to the surface. Oh, yeah. I just read an article about that recently uh, about how, you know, how everybody thought that Europe had become godless and whatnot. But a lot of Europeans are turning to the old gods, right? That's and, right. And, and the newer iterations through Wiccans and all of that kind of stuff. Yes. Uh, and, and the two big Wiccan spots in the U.S. are San Francisco and St. Paul, uh, Paul uh, Minneapolis in uh, Minnesota. Those are the two. In fact, Minneapolis is called uh, Paganistan oh. uh, in the literature. In the literature. Uh, but you see, you have to remember also that Christianity spread in Europe very painfully, very slowly. The last country to become Christianized was Latvia, for instance. Uh, and um, many people died, especially women, because women were declared to be witches and had power under the old system, which they lost under Christianity, being as patriarchal as it is. You know, God the Father, God the Son, that's two males, and only God knows what the Holy Ghost is, probably a male also. I would presume. And of course, God the Father created the world. I didn't know that men were able to do that, but apparently they can. And so um, uh, the, the, the Haitian system as the other systems are non-patriarchal. These are earth religions. Some people call them nature religions, rooted in science. In voodoo, it's all things and energy, and as such requires feeding. And hence come, you know, the, the feeding in terms of flowers, in terms of plants, in terms of, of, of meals, in terms of animal sacrifice and that kind of thing. All things are energy. And that's what physicists at every university will tell you. All things are energy. What voodoo and African systems do, they go one step further. They say all things are conscious energy. All things are conscious energy. Gaia was a goddess in ancient Greece, and that's Mother Earth. Uh, there's very serious research going on all over the world now in terms of the consciousness of plants, the consciousness of plants. And when I was very serious research, when I was a child, if I had to walk on grass, I would apologize to it. And when I told my white friends, they thought I was crazy. But apparently, those are conscious beings, all of them. <laughs> Including us. I think about the first when I when I teach voodoo in my course, I and I try to make that relationship between voodoo and science. You know, I read the the Albert Einstein quote that you sent me. I think about the first law of thermodynamics. Right, energy can be changed from one form to another, but it cannot be created or destroyed. That everything has energy. Like that's what you're saying. You know, ashe. <laughs> you know, and nothing that nothing is solid as such in terms of what occurs uh, in, in the midst of all this, all things, everything is flexible in that way. You know, water becomes ice and water becomes vapor. 
but it, it remains somehow in in the mix. And remember that we share DNA with absolutely everything, um, with bananas and with broccoli, God forbid. And so uh, we do eat those things. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, I would have to check that number. We share 28% of our DNA with bananas. Uh, so we're all related, and we're mammals, and we're primates, and we do what they do. In fact, we study the the, the chimpanzees and the uh, other primates because we're trying to learn about ourselves. So we study them because they're so close to us. And uh, when I came to the U.S. eventually, when I was, uh, I guess, 18 years old, as a junior in college, I refused to go to that house in the zoo, because uh, when I saw the primates, they were just too close to us. They reminded me of myself, so I would avoid that house altogether, um, where those primates were, were encaged. And so, but, but you see, those, those religions, uh, and, you know, Europeans went into trance as well. That's before Christianity. Uh, the mysticism that you found is very difficult to find now in Christianity, Islam, or Judaism. It does exist, but you have to dig deep. And you have Kabbalah in terms of Judaism. You have a Sufism in terms of Islam. And you have certainly uh, a mystical tradition within Christianity, but it's very hard to get to. So is there, is there sin in voodoo? How is voodoo different from um, the Western the Western religions of Islam, uh, Judaism, and, and and Christianity? Yeah, there are no original sins. There are no sins. There are taboos. Your taboos may not be my taboos, but then no sins exist, and no one will punish you because there is a question of karma that operates within uh, African religions as well as Asian religions and others. You know, Haitian voodoo is very similar to Native American religious systems. Shinto in Japan, which is a national religion of Japan, um, uh, forms of Buddhism and Hinduism, very, very similar. And no sins. Um, there are certain things, you know, you develop good character, which means there are certain things you should not want to do. Uh, but uh, there is no God to punish you as such, because you will punish yourself. And there's a Yoruba prayer that says, may my enemies be left up to their own destruction. They will destroy themselves. I do not need to do it, and I don't want to destroy them. They will destroy themselves. That's a, religion, that's a, that's a prayer in the Yoruba system. And, um, and but there's a comic, we call that in Haiti, which means whatever action that you do, good or bad, evil or beneficial, you will be, you will receive three times that force back at you. So if you do something horrible, like commit murder, for instance, it's going to come back. If not on you, your children or your grandchildren. But it will hit you three times as hard as what you propelled into space. And so, and, and that's a comic principle that operates there as well. But there are no original now, the Brazilians, by the way, have something very funny because they're very sexual. I hate to say that word on radio, but they are in that sense. And they will tell you there are no sins below the equator. Now find your equator and what's below it. There are no sins below the equator. And now, you know, the U.S. was created by the Puritans. Australia by criminals. Australia won. Because what we suffer in this country today is directly connected to the Puritans and their ethos. 
and their ethics. Well, as someone who who grew up, uh, you know, as an evangelical Christian, and you know, very much so, you know, the 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 puritanical, you know, uh, modest culture that resonates a lot with me. What you're talking about there, the the thing that's interesting to me, and perhaps you can shed some light on this, is what is the the rationale for practicing the religion? I think for many. Christians, the the rationale for becoming a Christian is so that in the afterlife you can go to heaven and you cannot go to hell. Uh, what is the what is the rationale for someone to practice and to study and to be uh, someone who considers himself in voodoo? It's not so much religion as it is spirituality. It is developing your own strength, developing your own resources as God-like. And by the way, throughout Africa, there is one universal belief, reincarnation. This is a belief that you find throughout Asia, certainly, and elsewhere in the world. Reincarnation, you will be back. So there is no heaven, there is no hell. You will be back. And if my cat can have nine lives, I insist on having more. <laughs> because I'm having too much fun, actually. <laughs> and, but but the, 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 you know, practicing religion gives you a sense of community. That's all it yeah. is. It's community, and atheists have their own communities. Oh, sure. Even their churches as well, because many of my, 95% of my friends are atheists, and these are pretty much all university professors. The more educated, the more atheism uh, survives, I guess. You know, the, but, the God, Erica Badu says, most intellectuals don't believe in, the, in God, but they fear us just the same. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I've, I've not seen that to, to be, to be in, in my, from my experience. Mm-hmm. But you see, my, my uh, atheist friends, many of them go to the Unitarian Universalist Church. Right. Yeah. Uh, where it is a free-for-all in that sense because they want a sense of community of meeting people on Sunday mornings and that kind of thing and perhaps sharing a cup of coffee. So to me, it sounds like the, the, the difference there is, is this idea of, you know, Christianity is typically revolved around a community and growing together. And with, with voodoo, it's self-discipline. It's, it's, it's improving upon oneself. Is that, is, am I hearing that right? No, no. Because, you see, it's interesting because in our languages, and certainly in the Haitian Creole language, the I is almost never present. It's always we. And you talk about yourself, you say we, very commonly. You know. And by the way, in the Haitian language, as in many other African languages, there is no he or she. It's all we. And uh, it's in the context that you find out, are you talking about a woman or are you talking about a man? Because it is not clear in the language, there are no distinction between the sexes in the language itself. None. If I'm talking about a woman, I'm talking about a man, I'm using the same pronouns. And these are pretty much neutral pronouns. But there is a sense, you see, Haitians convert to other religions. There is a Mormon temple in Port-au-Prince, as we speak. Uh, about 40% of Haitians have converted to evangelism. By the way, these were sent by the American government on purpose. And I've talked about that in one of my books in terms of how the Navy Department, which is a colonial, uh, uh, it was the minister of the colonies in England and France and that kind of thing. We had the Navy Department sent those missionaries to move Haiti away from France and move them away from the Roman Catholicism in the very same way that when the U.S. occupied uh, Puerto Rico in 1898, they divided that country which was Spanish-speaking and the Roman Catholic, into, I think, seven or eight sections, 
and gave each section of that country to a different Protestant group because Puerto Ricans were forbidden to speak Spanish in school and forbidden to practice Roman Catholicism in that, because they had to be converted to Protestantism to kowtow to the United States. Somehow, it never really took because Puerto Ricans are very proud of the Spanish. If you go into the hinterland in Puerto Rico, which I have done on many occasions, you will not find someone speaking English easily, even though they are forced to speak English every day of the week for 12 years when they're in school. They still can't speak it, and they're not stupid. I call that cultural resistance, which people in the Caribbean have always had, whether it's Nanny in Jamaica or Macondel and Bookman in Haiti, and in other places, in Cuba, from Cuba to Trinidad, or from Cuba to Barbados, religion, African religion, or African worldview, because it's much more than religion, has had an impact on resistance to the slavery that was, that was brought about by Western European uh, colonial powers. Can we dial back to the idea that you were talking about the language and not having he or she... Um, is that the reason why in voodoo, like, God isn't thought about as a man or a woman or, you know, say something about, um, like, homosexuality? You were talking about the equator earlier, and I guess the equator being the belly button on us. Um, and so all the sexual sins. South of the belly, south of the belly button, that's the south. Yes. The southern hemisphere, and there are no sins below the equator, which means sex is fine. There's no problem with it. We can go around bare-breasted in Haiti, which we do in the countryside. There's no problem with it. It's a problem when the American missionaries come to Haiti. But it's not a problem to us Haitians to see women walking around bare-breasted in the countryside. That's not an issue. It's an issue in the U.S. <laughs> and it's really interesting because, you know, the missionaries force us to wear clothes. We'll be right back. lot of information on demand from KUAF's podcasts, but you can get even more from listening to KUAF on air. Hello, I'm Timothy Dennis. When you listen to KUAF's live programming feed, you get the latest news from NPR programs like Morning Edition, 1A, and All Things Considered, local weather forecasts throughout the day, news about events happening in Northwest Arkansas, and unique music programming on the weekends you won't find anywhere else. Listen for free on your radio at 91.3 FM, at our website, KUAF.com, or tell your smart speaker to play KUAF. So one of my, um, and I, I realized that, um, you know, just in reading about you, that uh, you have this special affiliation with Izili Danto. As a priest, I have them all. And that's makes, what makes Haiti different from Cuba and Brazil. Because in those of this old Yoruba system, for that matter, from which we derive some of our, um, our ideas, ideologies. But you see, the Haitian hunger deals with all of the spirits, and there are hundreds of them. In the Yoruba system, and by extension in Brazil and Cuba, you're dedicated to just one. Just one. Ogun, Oga, Ashun, 
or Yamancha, etc. But in Haiti, I deal with that, all that. And what makes Haiti different from those other places is that we have amalgamated more than 300 years ago the various systems of Africa. We're talking about West Africa and Central Africa. The other systems in Cuba and Brazil have kept these things distinct. So you're either from a Congo tradition or a Yoruba tradition, a Nago tradition, and those are kept separate. In Haiti, we have merged everything, and we have lost our uh, propensity to speak African languages. Therefore, the Cre Haitian Creole has become the liturgical language. In Cuba, in Brazil, they speak Yoruba. And it is a Yoruba that grandfathers spoke in Nigeria, or great-grandfathers spoke in Nigeria, because it is not the modern Yoruba that you find in, in, in Nigeria as you travel back there. And Nigerians find that fascinating. Oh, my grandfather used to talk that way. We don't use those words anymore. But in the liturgical, in, in the, the rituals themselves, it is Yoruba that is used, not Portuguese, not Spanish. But in Haiti, we use Haitian Creole. So can you tell us a little bit about your work in Africana studies? Like, why do you think Africana studies, black studies, African African-American studies, why is, why is that kind of a program of study important to you, who, someone who has spent so many years in that um, field? Uh, because these were neglected. People, people of color have neglected in Western academies. And so, you know, it's interesting because Africa was said not to have had a history. And the history starts in the 1880s when out of Berlin, the European powers started dividing up the African continent, oftentimes using strict lines because nobody knew about the geography of Africa. And you have very strange combinations down there now in terms of uh, uh, countries because of the the way it was divided up out of Berlin and the Berlin Conference. And it's interesting because I relate to this also in the, in the Haitian milieu, where many young white scholars who do work in Haiti, and some of them do fantastically good work in Haiti, Haitian history starts when they land in uh, the airport in Port-au-Prince, the Toussaint-Louverture airport, because Haiti has no passes as I'm concerned. I land, I discovered you. I'm the discoverer. I land next week. I will discover Haiti next week. And so I will start writing from that standpoint. And that's what journalists typically do because they have no sense of anything. When Haiti was celebrating its bicentennial in 2004, I was asked by the Journal of Haitian Studies to check with a broader range of scholars, Haitian and non-Haitian, in terms of what were the best books published in Haiti over the course of 200 years. And I discovered that young white American scholars, first of all, did not read French, and had no, had no view and, and no idea of, the, of Haitian literature in the early 19th century, for instance, in 1820, with uh, Haitian romanticism and whatnot, and, 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 and to the present. In other words, they knew what they knew. They didn't speak the language. They wrote books about it. They became the experts. And uh, they poo-pooed the expertise of Haitians who have a brilliant literature over the last two centuries, uh, a literature that, that, that presently is getting all the prizes in France 
in terms of novels and poetry. You know, the Haitians are winning all of those. And they've been doing that for 200 years, but nobody knew about that. I was in the plane going to the Dominican Republic for one of the many conferences I attended there. There was a guy next to me. And he says, well, what is it that you do? Because in the U.S., I'm going to talk to you if I think you're important, right? What is it that you do? I said, I teach. What do you teach? Oh, Caribbean culture, history, and religion. His answer was, I didn't know that islands had these things. Islands have no history. Islands have no history. They have no culture. They have no religion. Islands are islands, right? And so that's what he said. I said, I, that's, you know, I could spend my lifetime uh, teaching Puerto Rican history. Puerto Rico is a country. It has a culture. It has a people. They're Puerto Ricans. They exist. And they are not Americans. They're citizens. But culturally, they're not Americans. They're Puerto Ricans. They're Latin American. It's a Latin American nation. And will always be. They will never become. They are citizens of the United States. And that came late, by the way. Native Americans became citizens of the U.S. in 1922. They were wars of the state. They were not humans, yet alone citizens of this country. Native Americans were not citizens of the U.S. And uh, people in the Caribbean, being as black as they are, we're not too sure they are really human beings, you see. So they don't have a history. And I'm going to discover you when I land in Jamaica. I've, you see, I've never been to, let me, I've visited most of the countries of the Caribbean, so I have to think. I've never been to Antigua and Barbuda. And so when I go there next time, I will discover it and perhaps plant the Haitian flag there and say, you are mine now. These are not real places, you see. Those are islands. Yeah, and it, what you're saying kind of reminds me of how, you know, uh, it, um, Saeed talks about, you know, Orientalism, right? The way how the, the, the West cultivates this image of Arabs to justify their plunder, right? To justify going into the Arab world, into Iraq, to justify their, the, create the rationalization for their colonialism, right? It's a self-serving history. So the same way that white zombie created this narrative of sticking pins and dolls, which is was a, basically a cover for Europe, Europe I'm sorry, American um, imperialism in Haiti and, and, and the kind of brutality that Haitians were under and continues to suffer under under occupation. I have lived, you see, I have lived in the United States for 56 years now. And I left Haiti in what turns out to be an, an exile situation when I was 16 years old and I went to St. Thomas Virgin Islands because of politics, because of the dictatorship back home and became a student not knowing any English. I, became, I went to college without knowing English. Um, and, but I came transferred to the U.S. Uh, for the last, uh, last 56 years I've been here. And I'm still seen as an exotic creature by people I meet in the U.S. So this, this has been interesting. There's no sin in voodoo. God is neutral, you know, not unaffected by goodness or evil. We come from a spirit world that is also related to science, you know, because all things in voodoo is energy and science you know, if we think about physics and, and all of you know, engineering, it's all about energy. Quantum physics, quantum physics. Yes. Thank you so much, Dr. Belgard-Smith. Okay, take care. 
Undisciplined is hosted by Dr. Karee Banton and produced by me, Matthew Moore. Our show's associate producer is Rachel Bernstein. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't had a chance yet, make sure to follow or subscribe on your podcast.